Family. Yes, like for real though, on this particular message, I need you to tag somebody on tonight because we have a word. I went downstairs and I, saw, I told Miss Flowers, I said, this one, this is one God is dealing with me and I firmly believe it's going to help the body. So I just thank you guys for all of your support, all of your love, all of your emails, letters, and comments about uh, we see you on the Version Bible. I want to thank Version so much. We're still on there. Um, if you want to check out in the discovery area, I was allowed to talk about John chapter 15, verse 5. And so I'm thankful for that opportunity. And also, we're in this World Changer series. So we got apparel coming. On Sunday, you'll be able to get like this type of hoodie. It's going to be nice. World Changer apparel, World Changer mask. And I'm just grateful. And I want you guys also to be aware right after this message, um, I'm going to articulate to you the instructions and the things that we're doing for our corporate fast that starts tomorrow, January the 8th. We're doing a 21-day Daniel fast. If you never fasted before, we'll have information um, just so that you can be healthy. This is not something that we're doing to lose weight. We're doing this as really just starting off our year. God, you have this year. This is not my year. This is your year. And I want to be able to turn down the volume of my flesh. And I'm giving God my yes. Because like I stated on Sunday, God can do more with your uncertain yes than you can with your confident hustle. So I hope you guys are ready. Um, this may be an unfamiliar passage of Scripture depending on uh, your Christian journey. Um, go ahead and tag us. Take a screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world. But this particular passage of Scripture may be a little different for you, but I believe it's going to serve us well. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. It begins by saying, The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You, you called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you, you called me, right? My son, now I don't know if y'all have children, but when you have children and they start to wake you up two, three, four times, you start to get a little irritated. So I can just imagine, Eli was like, my son, I didn't call you. <laughs> I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Please don't forget that. That's important. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. I believe he was probably a little nervous. And said, here, here I am. You, you called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lie down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant 
is listening. Our clause of concern and our verse of importance and this particular part of our biblical narrative and our foundational text that I believe is going to greatly serve us for the time that we have together for part two of this World Changer series lives and is chilling in verse 10 where the text tells us the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, your servant is listening. The quintessential question, the question on the floor that I have for you on tonight as we begin the cruise line, as we begin the sermonic journey of this message on tonight is who do you have in your life who could identify that the Lord is calling you? What Eli do you have in your life to let you know that God is calling you? And this is the call of a world changer. You have been summoned, but the question is, will you answer? Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. All the admiration belongs to you. You're such an awesome God, a miraculous God, a wonderful God. And we pray that in this moment, we can learn more of who you are. As my typical request, oh God, anoint me to be your oracle, your, your sound system, the PA system of heaven. It is so. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen. Amen. And the Lord came and stood there calling, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. I don't know what your name is, but I'm personalizing this. Jerry, Jerry, Ashley, Ashley, Will, Stephen, Michael. The Lord is calling, and I want to take on the nature of an Eli just for a few moments and try to convince you when God calls you to respond by saying, Lord, I'm here to serve. For part two of this World Changer series, I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for a few moments. I'm calling you out. <laughs> I'm calling you out. Have you ever been called out? I am calling you out. And as normal and as my typical methodology, every time you get together, I believe death and life is in the power of the tongue, and I don't know if you speak over yourself, so I'm going to make sure that when you're with me that you're speaking over yourself. Can I get everybody to drop this in the room in all caps, all caps? God, teach me your voice and train my spirit so that I can carry out my calling. One more time, I feel like somebody feels that. God, teach me your voice and train my spirit so that I can carry out my calling, my calling. In high school, there were a plethora of extracurricular activities that you could engage in. I went to Westfield High School. I loved basketball, but I didn't make the basketball team. Football was all right, but I just really wasn't cool with getting cracked the way some of those linebackers were hitting people. I'm talking about freshman year, I was like 5'4 and chubby, and they had people who were seniors like 6'7, 280 pounds. I just not cool with you running at me full speed. So I, I didn't really do the football route. But there was one thing in high school that Jerry loved. I loved stepping. I loved the step team. 
Don't judge me, but I did. It was just something about me being with all of my brothers. We're sweaty. We're locked up. We're breathing hard. And our step captain will holler out, let's get it. And we would just go. I loved it. (laughs) At homecoming, we'd all get together, everybody around us, hyping us up. And then we would just all start dancing together, just strolling. Ah, 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 ah. I loved it, y'all. I loved it. I still got it. Y'all see me moving? (laughs) I still got it. There was something I just loved stepping, and it was just my passion all throughout my high school career, I loved being on a step team. We won, like, state championships, beating every school throughout every, uh, every school throughout the city of Houston. We were dope. Westfield High School. Dukes, that's what we were called. And um, so there was this, this party. And if you're a pastor's son, you have learned you cannot go to your parents and say, hey, there's a party this Friday night. Can I go? So since I was a pastor's son, I learned how to articulate this verbiage. I said, Mom, Dad, uh, my friends, we're having a fellowship. (laughs) We're having a fellowship where we could gather and just discuss um, our high school experience because we're about to graduate high school in a week. So could I go to this fellowship? (laughs) Now, I'm thinking, like, I'm who's who. Of American high school students, I'm on the National Honor Society. I'm graduating a week out. My parents go let me go, and they did, but they gave me this condition. They said, you have to be home at 11 o'clock. I really didn't understand that because I'm 18. You know, I'm making good grades. Next week, I graduate from high school, and in two months, in two months, I'm going to be on campus. So technically, wherever I want to go, when I want to go, you can't stop me because you're not going to be there. This is what I was thinking, but I just decided, you know, I'll go ahead and go to the party. So I go to the party, 9 o'clock, it's boring, 10 o'clock, it's like, hey, hey, 10.15, hey, hey, 10.30, hey, hey, 10.40, hey, and like everybody's just hype. <laughs> I'm just like, man, why is everybody getting so turned up? The closer it gets to 11 o'clock. So by 10.50, my friend comes up. And he says, hey, hey, we're about to go up and we're about to stroll. We're about to step. I didn't really want to dance with girls. There were some dudes that wanted to do that. All Jerry wanted to do was be with my brothers and stroll and show off and smooth. That's all I wanted to do. And so then they're like, hey, we're about to step. It's about 1055. Technically, I need to go home. Can I get somebody put in the room? You need to go. I need to go home, but I'm who's who of American high school students. I'm on the National Honor Society. I'm 18, and I'm graduating from high school next week. So I decided, don't judge me, y'all. I'm going to stay, and I'm going to turn up. So I start dancing with the step team, and we're strolling, and we're having fun all throughout the aisle and everything. And then, like, at 1059, I'm talking about my father must have had the phone in his hand. You know how, like, just a few days ago, everybody was like, 10, 9, 8, and as soon as the clock hit midnight, everybody shouted, I promise my dad was like this, 10, 9, 8, and as soon as it hit 11, my phone was ringing. On the dot, I'm sitting there with everybody, now here, mm, 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 mm. don't judge me, y'all. 
I decided to ignore it. I go answer. I can't say, hey, you know, I'm having a good time. You know, let, let me stay. I don't want to deal with that. I just don't want to deal with getting corrected in front of all my friends right now. I don't want to deal with that. So I just, I don't answer. So 1101, mm, mm, mm. 1102, mm, mm, mm. 1103, mm. I mean, just keeps calling me, keeps calling. He don't know where I'm at because I had those type of parents that will pull up. I don't know if y'all have parents like that, but I have parents, they'll pull up on your behind, but they don't know where I'm at. And um, I'm trying to continue to enjoy, but just, just nonstop, mm, 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 just keep going. So my, my, my brothers are like, hey, what was, you look like you're not enjoying yourself. And I'm like, man, my dad's calling me, man. And I wonder who's watching this message. There's a vibration going off in your soul. Wherever you are, your daddy's calling you. I tried to keep on enjoying the party, but I really couldn't because daddy was calling me. You're trying to enjoy doing what you want to do, but you really can't because daddy's calling you. You're trying to do your own thing, but you really can't because daddy's calling you. You're trying to carry out your own desires, but you really can't because daddy's calling you. And just like me at this fellowship, I really couldn't enjoy myself because daddy was calling me over and over and over. There's somebody watching this message on tonight that you don't even really enjoy having sex with them anymore. You don't. You don't even really enjoy having sex with him or sex with her. Because something on the inside of you is, mm, mm, mm. you have this vibration going off in your soul. And you probably discovered now that your body is a temple. If you don't know, you're going to understand and be introduced that the reason you couldn't enjoy it is because God is calling you. Your body is a temple, not a doorknob where everybody gets a turn. Lord have mercy. Your body is a temple, not a doorknob, and you just arrived to this place in your purity. I'd rather shift and make the adjustment so I have to deal with your absence rather than accommodate your presence and deal with your demons. Because, listen, yes, it's cold outside, depending on where you are in the world, where we're at right now, it's cold. It's cold outside, but it is better for me to sleep in a cold bed than for me to be warmed by a real devil. It is better for me to exercise purity. My body's a temple, and it wasn't made for multiple sex partners. It wasn't made for fornication. It wasn't made for sexual immorality. It wasn't made to get faded and get wasted. It wasn't made for me to sip on some gin and juice, but it was made to carry the kingdom of heaven. It was made to house the Holy Ghost. It was made to be God's transportational system throughout the earth. And what you're feeling on tonight, that conviction that keeps hitting your soul, that's not indigestion. That conviction that you're feeling that has you a nauseous, I'm trying to be, be like Eli and let you know, listen, that's, that's God. He's calling you. Daddy's calling. It's the call of a world changer. You've been summoned, but will you answer the call? Somebody else, you, you can't even enjoy binge watching a series on Netflix anymore. There was a time you could watch series after series, but now you just can't enjoy binging series on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube. And it's not because they stop having good series, like they have some fire TV series and some fire television shows. It's not that they're not producing good things. 
I'm preaching so hard, y'all, because I'm trying to activate something in your soul. It's because you know it and I know it. God is saying, how much more time will you waste? Get up. Get up. How much more time? Like, what else causes for you to get up and get out of the bed besides your job, your children, or your bladder? (laughs) What else causes for you to get up? This is... God said, hey, there's a mission field that you need to plow. There's a work that you have to do. There's a people that you have to reach. There's a daughter that you have to raise. There's a son that you have to raise. There's a need in the earth. No more spending hours on Netflix and Hulu and watching other people's story on Instagram and YouTube. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy it for a while, but this is consuming your life. FaceTime is better than screen time. Spending time in his face is better than spending time on Facebook and any social media outlet. And God is saying, listen, the reason it's bothering you, and you're like, man, what am I doing with my life? Because a lot of us are mislabeling an unanswered call as boredom. That's what it is. There's an unanswered call. This is why you're so bored. This is why this is not doing it for you anymore. It's because God is calling you out. This, this is not insomnia. This is an invitation to get up and pray, to get up and work on that book, to get up and work on your gift. This is God calling you. Daddy's calling you. He's calling you out. It is the call of a world changer. You've been summoned, but the question is, will you answer? This is so good, y'all. Will you answer? There's somebody else watching this message on the night. The weed just not doing it for you anymore, is it? (laughs) The beer, the alcohol, the cheap sex, it's it's not doing it for you anymore. That, That purposeless relationship that you selected out of loneliness versus purposefulness. God, why is this message hitting like this? It's, it's, just not, it's just not doing it for you anymore. It's not doing it for you anymore. Who am I talking to? Is there anybody watching this message where you have arrived to this place? I will no longer water things that don't want to grow up. <laughs> Who is that for? Somebody feel that. If that's you, drop in the room. That's me. I will no longer water things that don't want to grow up. There has to be more than this. I'm tired of my marriage being on life support. I'm tired of my marriage being on life support. I'm just fully convinced my spouse and my marriage is supposed to be my safe house, not my psychiatric ward. I'm talking, y'all. It's supposed to be more than this. And then a lot of times due to our pride... And due to us continuing to keep a record of wrongs, y'all don't want to talk to me, we're not seeing our spouse through the eyes that God sees them or sees her. And so now you want your marriage to improve, you want it to get better, you think that's just your thoughts? No, that is a divine thought placed in your mind that God has placed in your soul because God is calling you out. Daddy's calling. It's the call of a world changer. You've been summoned, but the question is, Will you answer? You're starting to get tired of watching that pornography, huh? You're tired of, you're starting to get repulsed with it. But for some strange reason, you keep going back to it. You keep going back to it. You know why? Because pornography is that cruel master 
Pornography is that cruel slave owner that whips us into bondage, but for some strange reason, we enjoy the beatings. And you're starting to get to a place where you're tired of it handling you, and you want to handle it. Because you know, the Bible says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. And even if you don't know that yet, there's something in you that says, I should not be bound by this. This should not make me late. This should not keep me up all hours of the night. I said I was going to bed at midnight, but due to what I'm watching, I'm tired day after day after day and there's something there's this there's this vibration in your soul that keeps going off because you feel the need to change what that is that's not indigestion that's not gas that's god that's the holy spirit calling just like he called with Samuel, that's God calling you and I'm trying to be like an Eli to get you to understand God is calling you Daddy's calling. It's the call of a world changer. You've been summoned, but the question is, will you answer? I believe God is calling his sons and his daughters of Zion to arise. Arise from your low living. Arise from depression. Arise from average. Arise from mundane. Arise from typical. I did not cosmically create you to be born, to go to school, to get a job, retire, and die. That is culture's view. That is not the kingdom agenda. The kingdom agenda is for you to aspire, to inspire, and rewire before you expire. Preach Holy Spirit. Did y'all hear what I just said? Now, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't get an education because I do believe we should get educated. If you have a gift, master it. Stop settling with being good. Good is the enemy of great. Whatever you're trying to do, be excellent. Because one thing Jerry's passionate about is excellence separates. Whatever God called you to do, master it to the best of your capability. Not so that you can boast in it, but so that you can give God glory for it. Culture's view, you're born, you go to school, you get a job, you retire, and you die. That's not the kingdom agenda. The kingdom agenda is for you to aspire, to inspire, and rewire before you expire. That is purpose. That is purpose, and that is the kingdom agenda. I'm feeling this, y'all. Listen, listen. Purpose on your life is when God looked in the earth. He saw your family. He saw your ethnicity. He saw your ancestors. He saw your bloodline. He saw what school you would go to. He saw what city you would be in, what state you would be in, what country you would be in. And then he saw your sphere of influence, and then he, uh-oh, noticed the problem. And so then what he did is he put a problem-solving anointing inside your belly. He put a problem-solving anointing in your womb. And somewhere, somehow, your mama met your daddy and you got in the earth and you're in that exact atmosphere that has some type of influence that you can impact and there's a problem because purpose fixes problems. Purpose fixes problems. Purpose fixes problems. Purpose fixes problems. Why you keep on having this over and over? Why you keep being repetitious with this statement? It's because I want you to get the kingdom agenda. Purpose fixes problems. So could one of the reasons be why our world has so many problems is because there's so many people who aren't living. 
There's so many people who are living in purpose and on purpose because purpose fixes problems. If I'm not living in purpose, there are more problems. And could the problem be that there's so many of us who are living in purpose or on purpose? Guys, I want you to get this. This is the kingdom agenda. I'm trying to break it down to you. If I can get you to recognize that you've been called, and I can get for you to fix a problem, and then I can get for you to fix a problem, and then I can get for you to fix a problem, and you to fix a problem, and you to fix a problem. Now I'm going to start fixing problems in my home, which is going to cause me to fix problems in the community because you fix some problems, you fix some problems, and you fix some problems, and you fix some problems. And so now we're all fixing problems in our world, and it's going to change our world. That is how we get the series World Changer. But it starts when you stop looking at all of your problems. But you start trying to identify the problem that irritates you the most. Because usually the very thing that irritates you the most is the area you're supposed to impact. God saw that there was a problem. There was going to be a problem in the sphere of your influence. I'm going to put a problem-solving anointing on the inside of you, and I'm going to put you in that environment, and I'm going to call you so that you could understand you have been called, you have a world-changing anointing, and there's a problem that you're supposed to fix. This is not something just for me. Everybody watching this message and everybody under the sound of my voice, God has cosmically created for you to fix a problem. For darkness, we have light to remove that problem. For a sight problem, we have glasses. For traffic problems, we have traffic lights. For your life, there's a problem that you have to fix, which is why you have to stop running from them. Which which is why you have to stop running from them, because sometimes you run into them because you're supposed to fix them. This is so good, y'all. This is how you become a world changer. I'm trying to fix the problem. That I have been given the oil to fix. I'm not trying to fix every problem. I'm just trying to fix the problem that God saw would be a problem in the area I would be so I could fix that problem. And if I just worry about fixing the problem that I'm anointed to fix, and if you just worry about fixing the problem that you're anointed to fix, we're all going to end up fixing our world. It's the call of a world changer. Can I get somebody to drop this in the room? I'm a world changer. I'm a world changer. In all caps, I'm a world changer. I'm a world changer. And just like Samuel, Samuel didn't know the Lord's voice yet. He didn't know the Lord's voice yet, but he had an Eli to be able to identify hmm, this, this is not just a coincidence. Yet, yet them, them leaving like that probably was a blessing. Them breaking up with you, girl probably was God removing something for your life because you prayed, God, if this isn't your will, please remove it. And it got removed, and now you're bawling and crying. <laughs> you need somebody, an Eli in your life, to let you know, girl, that's God. Bro, this is God. This conviction that you feel, this is God because he's trying to get you to understand that you've been called. You've, you've been called. And I think one of the most dangerous things for the church And in Christianity, that this pandemic has greatly exposed is we have a lot of proclaimed men and women of God who don't know God. They don't know God, so they can't teach you how to grow in God. 
nor can they teach you how to grow to a level where you know God's voice. Because God in their bio does not mean God in their life. Listen, hashtag Proverbs 31 in her bio doesn't mean she's a Proverbs 31 woman. Kingdom man and his bio does not mean that he's a kingdom man in real life. That sounds good, but do you produce the fruit? And I think maybe that's the issue with the body. We don't have enough voices who are able to tell us that God is speaking. We don't have enough streams. We don't have enough churches. We don't have enough communities that teach us when God is calling you, answer so that you could serve the call. God is calling you. You're watching this on the night. Yes, he's calling you. And sometimes you already know what it is because it's been bothering you for so long. God's calling. I'm, I'm just firmly convinced that my generation, generations before me and after me, we have to have a collision course encounter with the power of the cross. Listen, y'all, this is not old school. This is biblical. When a man or a woman actually understands what Jesus did by being bloody and mutilated, hanging on Calvary's heel, love sustaining his heart. Love causing his heart to palpitate because he's thinking about you and he's thinking about me. Because God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit did not want a sin-stricken people to walk this earth, to be in the world, and never experience the most powerful, most holistic, most wonderful relationship through all eternity. And that is not to know God as creator or to create it, but to know him as Abba, to know him as Daddy, to know him as Father. That's what Jesus did. The cross changes everything the cross changes everything this is not old school this is biblical this is the gospel listen the cross does not give a minor shift or two in regards to your moral or your ethical values but the cross radically disrupts the very center and citadel of your life from self to christ and if the cross has not done that what makes you think you're a christian what makes you think that you're a Christian? You can be in church your whole life, but the only way, the fruit that Jesus is calling you is when the cross has radically disrupted the very center and citadel of your life. I can't sin the same. Once a man meets Jesus, you can never sin the same again. You can never sin the same again. Stuff just bothers you. Stuff starts to make you feel nauseous. This is because you've been called. It is the call of a world changer, you've been summoned, but the question is, will you answer? Will you answer? God is calling for his people to pray. God is calling for his people to repent. God is calling for his people to come back and seek his face because the true Christian life, please hear me, the true Christian life is the interrupted life. Did y'all hear what I just said? The, the true Christian life is a life that has experienced heavenly interference. I'm going to give you Bible. Let me give you Bible. You know, I love to give you Bible, right? Look at this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the table, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose up and followed him. Did y'all please notice this? Jesus never went up to Matthew and said, hey, what you got going on today? <laughs> Hey, are, are, are you doing somebody's refund check today? Are you doing somebody's taxes today? What you got going on after lunch? What's your schedule next week? Jesus just walked up, saw him sitting down and said, follow me. 
interrupted. It didn't matter what Matthew had planned. Matthew could have planned to go fishing after this. Matthew could have planned to do something on his own. He's trying trying to chill, but it did not matter because one of the methodologies of Jesus is he interrupts your life. I'm going to give you more Bible. Matthew chapter 8, verse 21. Another one of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Jesus, that's kind of insensitive. That's kind of rude. Let the dead bury the dead. He's just saying he wants to follow you. Just let, let me go deal with my father. And if you study this, theologians have studied and said, you know, in those days, sometimes after there was a funeral, they would also bury the bones after. This was a Jewish practice. So the funeral wasn't just one day and that was it. Other theologians said his father wasn't even dead yet. (laughs) Jesus is like, listen, all that stuff don't matter to me. Whatever your reason is, whatever's behind this, whatever your theological debate is, that's up to you. All I know is... Everything else is on hold when I call you. Everything else is pushed on the back burner when I call you. It doesn't matter if I'm calling you out of your family. It doesn't matter if I'm calling you out of a career. It doesn't matter if I'm calling you out of a relationship. When God calls you, I'm going to be like Eli. When he calls you, say, speak. Your servant's listening. I'm going to give you more Bible. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come see. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. I can unpack so much in this, but I don't have time to. I can really unpack and bother the part that he said, what good thing comes from Nazareth? You got to understand, Jesus came from the hood. (laughs) Nazareth was this small, filth-ridden town on the south side. Why would such a big God come from a small place? I don't have time to bother that. And then I, I could bother the fact that this is why it's good to have called out friends. Because called out friends constantly call you out. Since Philip was called out... Okay, somebody interrupted me. And then now I'm going to tell you, come meet the person that interrupted my life. And I think we have to have an appreciation for people who God has called out because they're going to constantly call you out. Hey, bro, the way you just talked to your wife, that was, that was kind of uh, disrespectful. I need people who've been called out because when they've been called out, they're most likely going to call me out. But if you don't value being called out, when you're called out, it's going to feel like an attack versus God calling you out to another level of maturity. I need to hang around with called out people because called out people will keep on calling me out. Is that too much called and too much out? The, the, the third thing I see in this is so powerful. When he's like, man, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip's like, Phil is like, uh, come see. That's the type of testimony and miracle I want you to have and I want to have. What happened to your marriage? Come see, let me show you. How how did you get over that depression? Come see, let me show you. I want to have a church where people are like, man, you have to hear this word. Where church you go to? Come see. Man, I was bound until I went here. Where did you go? Come see. God give me a come see testimony. (laughs) Come see, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is why 
we have to understand. We have to get this, y'all. Listen, if we're truly going to be Christ followers, you're saying, I am surrendering my life to constantly be interrupted. Same thing happened to me. The only reason you watching this is because God interrupted my life. He interrupted my life when I'm walking among camps on my campus um, on Texas Southern University in college. And I was just feeling this, this gnawing in my soul. I thought I was saved because my parents were saved. A lot of pastor's children do that. I recognize as I got a little older, you can't get fooled watching somebody else eat. That's a whole word, <laughs> a whole one. And so I, I thought I was saved because I knew so much Bible. If we have Bible drills, I'm winning. I've been in every vacation Bible school, can quote all the books in the Bible, can tell you the minor prophets, the major prophets. I know all of this stuff, how to exegete hermeneutics. I know all of this stuff, and I felt because I knew a lot. Like if we had memory verse drills in children's church or in young adult church, I would pick a book like Nahum. Everybody else is going to pick John 3.16 or Psalms 23. I'm going to pick Nahum. You don't even know where that's at without looking at the table of contents. That's how I used to think. <laughs> I'm going to memorize something out of Obadiah. Books that people forget about. I felt like I knew so much Bible. And since I knew so much, I thought that God and I were close. I thought that we were cool because I knew a lot of him. But one day when I was coming back from the club, a week out from being online about to pledge a fraternity, this, this vibrating tension in my soul started. I, I really couldn't articulate what it was. But it was just something that was just bothering me. It's that same feeling you feel. You probably felt it before. It's, it, it, it happens after you cuss somebody out. This gnawing in your soul. That, that, that gnawing in your soul that, that you feel when you got that text message, come over. Or maybe it hits you after the act is done and you're sitting on the edge of the bed. Or you're walking to your car, this 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 tension in your soul. I'm talking about listening to a message and it's so convicting your ears are getting hot. Y'all ever been so convicted that you like hear your pulse? <laughs> you feel it and it's just this tension in your soul, this, this vibration in your soul. And I remember at the club feeling this, this, this comfort right here, right here. I was feeling it right here. I think in that moment, God was just telling me, this is not who you are. This is, this is not who you are. Torrance, I want you to zoom in on my face. I want y'all to see this and I want y'all to get this. Somebody watching this message on tonight, that's the same thing God is telling you. I'm looking square in your eye. This is not who you are. You're trying to enjoy it. You're trying to dismiss all of the tension and you're trying to dismiss all the discomfort that you feel in your heart. And I'm trying to get you to understand this is not who you are. Once you meet Jesus, you can never sin the same again. I'm trying to be like Eli in this particular section because Eli wasn't the best priest. I'm going to touch on that in a minute. In this particular section, I'm trying to get you to understand that God is calling you. And he did not create you to be born, to have a job, retire, and die. But this kingdom agenda that you feel in your heart right now is because God is calling you higher and he wants to take you deeper. I know I'm talking to somebody. I feel it. I was interrupted in that moment. God was saying, Jerry, 
you're a world changer. Whoever's watching this, you're a world changer. You're a world changer. There's a world you have to change. How many more sermons will you listen to until you put this in application? How long will you allow your Bible to be a dust collector? And the only time you open it is on Thursday and on Sunday when I say turn your Bible to such and such. How long will you let your business plan be a dust collector? God is calling you to another level of maturity. Samuel is this young dude. His mother, Hannah, could not conceive. She couldn't conceive and people were making fun of her. Because she couldn't conceive. And her husband was like, listen, is not my love for you greater than ten sons? <laughs> he really said that. Like, you need to go read First Samuel chapter 1. I'm like, that was pretty, that was a good bar, bro. But she still ran, ran out crying. <laughs> he was like, it's not my love for you better than ten sons. She couldn't have a son. She goes in the temple and she's crying. She's crying out to God, I want a son. God, could you give me a son? And then she's praying kind of under her breath. Eli walks in. He sees her. He thinks she's drunk. He's like, uh, have you, uh, don't you think it's time for you to stop drinking? She's like, no, I'm, I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. I'm, 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 just, I'm just asking God. I have this petition on my heart. I'm just, I'm just crying out to him. And Eli says, okay, go ahead and may the Lord grant your request. She goes. She eats something that night. Her and her husband make love. The Bible says all of this. I'm telling you, covenant sex hits different. I have a whole series coming on that in the summertime. We're going to deal with that. Love, sex, and singleness and marriage. We're going to touch all of that. Just covenant sex hits different. Anyway, she gets pregnant from that experience. She gets pregnant, and she has a son, and she names him Samuel. And she's like, listen, God, since you answered my prayer, I'm going to give him back to you. So she goes to Eli and says, listen, I have vowed to give Samuel back. To the Lord. You can see this, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. It says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I have asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So Samuel is in the temple. His mentee is Eli. All right? Now, this is the part that kind of tripped me up. Samuel is doing all this stuff in the temple for the Lord. He's even ministering to the Lord. Look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So Samuel's ministering. He's, he's in the temple. But then verse 7 says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That kind of struck me in my study time. I know he's a boy. But I wonder how many people are in the temple ministering, serving, ushering, ushers, streamers, streaming, doing all this type of stuff for the Lord, but don't know the Lord. I wonder how many people have been in church their whole life but never heard a word from God for themselves, for themselves. Like you don't really know God for your own personal self because God had to have an encounter with Samuel and Eli had to inform him that this is God calling you. This is the process of the call. I want to end with this. I want y'all guys to get this. This is the process of the call. We have interruption, introduction, interruption, introduction, instruction, construction, and production. This is so powerful, y'all. Please, I want you guys to get this. This is the process of the call. God is trying to get us to a place where, number one, I have to, 
I have to interrupt your life. So, so you, have, you have your own life. You have your, your book, the book of your life. This is your story. This is your story. I have a pen here somewhere. There it is. This is your story, and you're just living out your story. You're just doing your thing. You're not worried about anybody else. Something happens in your life. It happens to everybody once in a lifetime. God interrupts your story. He interrupts it. You thought that relationship was going to work? I interrupt that. You thought that was your career? I interrupt that. <laughs> All right, well, well I'm going to turn on to the other page because I have plans to, to move over here and do this. Oh, God's going to interrupt that. You're called. For me, I was in school to be a pre, I was a pre-med major. I was going to be a pediatrician. God's like, nope, you're a world changer. You're going to be a pastor. <laughs> in a relationship before I met Tanisha, thought I was going to marry her. Nope, y'all going to break up. You're going to meet Tanisha and you and her are going to start something called Redefine TV. And y'all going to go around the world and serve an inspired generation to live for me. <laughs> there are things that you thought you were going to do, but God has a way of just interrupting your story. All right, I got all these plans. I'm going to do this. Nope, that's, that's your plans. It's not my plans. He interrupts. Now, once God interrupts your story, then he introduces himself. He introduces himself. I am that I am. I am what you've been looking for, and you don't even know it. I, I, I am the hunger in your soul that you want to be fed by, you don't even know that I'm the bread of heaven. I'm going to be the one that satisfies your soul. I'm going to be the one that quenches your thirst. I'm going to be the one that gives you purpose. I'm going to be the one that gives you understanding. I'm going to be the one that gives you clarity. I'm going to be the one that sticks closer than a brother. I'm going to be the one. I have to introduce myself as your God. So we have interruption and then God gives us, if we have interruption and then God has an introduction he introduces himself to you for some people watching week after week this is what God is doing he's introducing himself to you and this is why I believe the church needs to be more gracious especially the new converts all they had was an interruption they haven't got to instruction yet all they had was interruption now God has to have an introduction this is so powerful y'all all right now now after you have the interruption and you have the introduction God starts to give you instruction okay so you watch sermons like this you have a whole lot of notes that you're taking okay I need to start fasting I, I need to start praying oh that that was that was really good what, what, what Jay just said sometimes I have to make decisions that hurt my heart but heal my soul okay he, he is the I am that I am you can't compartmentalize who he is to and is he just is Monday he may be I am your healer Tuesday he may be I am your way maker so now I have instruction I have instruction because I'm beginning to learn about who God is and week after week you're getting edified with the word of God because God interrupted your life he introduced himself to you now I got to give you instruction see listen you got to understand this this is why God many times drops next level in front of you not for the purpose of you getting jealous, but for you to take notes. I never knew why God was allowing me to go to this church and that church and preach to this church and that church. I didn't know God was giving me instruction. God was educating me. I don't know why God had me be a student pastor for nine years until I understood that, oh, you know teenagers not going to say amen. 
teenagers not going to say nothing was dope. So I need you to be very creative. I need you to think of illustrations. I need you to think of examples so that you can get them to get it. I need you to reduce the gospel down to a lowest common denominator so that they could understand it because that's just training ground. Because in a few years, I'm going to put you in a position where you have to talk to a generation who does not know God. And you have to be able to break it down, give illustrations where they could understand who God is, where they could take something that may seem complex and break it down and it makes sense. Instruction. Now, after you have instruction, now you got construction. Now, this, the construction part is when all the stuff that your mama taught you, mm-mm, baby girl, that was wrong. Uh, that, oh, let's, let's go ahead and cross out all your, your mistakes. That's going to be blood covered. All your mistakes going to be blood covered. God don't even see that. All your mistakes have been hung up. Okay, uh, you have a mindset that um, when you get married, you hide a little money on the side just in case he act up. That that's your, that's your mama's bondage. That's not kingdom. Everything is oneness. And so now God is constructing you so that he can produce you. And now you have something that you can publish to the world. I have a message, y'all. I have a come see it. But until you, first, like we said last week, number one, recognize who not to listen to and who told you that. And then part two of this, I have to understand that God is calling me out. I can't be an effective world changer without that. God interrupts your life. He introduces himself. He gives you instruction. And then we go through construction so that we could be his production. So God, would, would you help us to be able to hear your voice? Would you, be, help, would you help us to be able to respond when you call us some of us don't know your voice yet all it is is tension in our soul that maybe I shouldn't go there maybe I shouldn't do that maybe I should do this maybe I should give that and our prayer God is that you strengthen us and also position people in our life that could speak into our life to help us to identify you've been called and it is the call of a world changer because we've been summoned Give us the strength, the faith, and obedience to answer. In Jesus' name we pray.